0: I were to ask you to show me where the Christmas story is found in Scripture. Where would you take me? My guess is your first stop would be in Matthew, right? First of Matthew. Or maybe even the first of, of Luke. Or for you super spiritual folks, you'd take me to John 1, right? Some might even uh, take me to the Old Testament. To Micah chapter five verse two, or Isaiah seven fourteen, or Isaiah nine six, to show me some Old Testament prophecy about Christ's coming and His birth. But how many of you would take me to the first book of the Bible, to the book of Genesis? Well, guess what? That's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to learn this morning that though the first Christmas was celebrated a few hundred years after Jesus' birth the first christmas message was preached thousands of years before his birth and it was preached by god himself and at that time when that message was preached the whole human race along with satan himself was in the congregation this message is found in genesis chapter three if you have your bibles Please turn there now. Now some of you may think it's strange for me to speak of Christ and the Christmas story thousands of years before Jesus' birth and a born in Bethlehem. But what we find all throughout the scriptures is that God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, existed long before these events in bethlehem he has existed throughout all eternity and the plan for him to leave the riches of heaven and to take on flesh and to come down to us and become one of us and accomplish salvation for us through his life death and resurrection has been the plan from the very beginning it was decided in eternity past so the christmas story the story of Christ's coming is a story as old as time and older. And the earliest mention of it in Scripture is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This verse is referred to by many theologians as the Proto-Evangelium, which is just a fancy 25-cent word that you can use to impress your friends that means first gospel in In this verse, we have the first mention of the Christmas story and of god 's great gospel and it 's an important verse it 's as important a verse as any you will find in the scriptures and because it is, we need to know a little by way of context surrounding this verse of Scripture. And though many of you are more familiar with the context of this verse than you are any other in the Scriptures, bear with me while I take just a moment to explain to you the events leading up to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. In the first two chapters of Genesis, you have the account of God creating all that is. We're told that before the beginning began, there was God. And he created everything, day and night, sky and sea, land and plants, sun and moon and stars, fish and birds, animals of the land. And on the sixth day, he also created man and woman. When he created man and woman, we're told that that God made them different from the rest of his creation because he created them in his image. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, we're told this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. in his image, he placed them in a garden paradise and he gave them authority over his created world but he also placed them under his authority he told Adam in Genesis 2 16 and 17 you may surely eat of every tree of the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die so God shows man here Though you are unique, though you have authority, you're not God. I am. You're to be under my authority. So he gives them this command. Shortly after giving them this command, we're told that God's adversary, his nemesis the antagonist of of god's gospel story satan himself he comes in to the picture into this garden paradise in the form of a serpent and he tempts adam and eve to question god's word to doubt his goodness he tells them you will not die if you eat of the tree but instead you'll be like god he tells them god told you a lie He is keeping you from true greatness. You all know the story, right? Eve chose to listen to the serpent over God, chose to rebel. We're told that Adam desired to rebel as well. And he listened to the voice of his wife, Eve, and he took the fruit from her and he ate it. And after that, because of the sin of Adam, because he is the head of the human race, because of that sin... Sin entered into the world and along with sin, death entered in as well and the perfect world that God had made and His perfect people He had created in His image to to live in relationship with Himself was ruined and wrecked by sin. This place of paradise was lost and the people of paradise were fallen. And as God surveys the moral wreckage caused by man's rebellion and fall, he immediately begins to pass judgment on those who were responsible. And he begins where the sin began with the serpent. And then he passes judgment on the woman and then the man. But coupled with God's word of punishment and judgment, God also gives a message of hope. And redemption right here in Genesis chapter 3. And that's the message we're going to focus on this morning. Now, this message is a message of judgment against Satan, but notice it's also a message of hope and a message of grace and a message of salvation to mankind. Look at it with me. Genesis 3:15. God says to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Notice what we have here, folks. God basically tells Satan here, you have started something that you're not going to be able to finish. Though you think you have won a major victory over me, you have sealed your fate. You have put the nail in your own coffin. What you have started this day is going to eventually lead To your end. Today, we remember the attack on Pearl Harbor. 73 years ago, today, December 7th, 1941, on a Sunday, Sunday morning, the Japanese launched a surprise attack on the U.S. And though at that time they probably thought it was a great idea, they thought it was a major victory. What they didn't realize was they had sealed their fate because they had awoke a sleeping giant, right? The U.S. And that led to their defeat. That's what God's saying here to Satan. He says, though you think you've won a major victory over me, you have sealed your fate he tells him because of what you have done because you have deceived man and have led him astray there is going to be this ongoing feud this endless conflict between you and the woman between your offspring and her offspring and though you have deceived her this day and you will enjoy this victory for years to come there is one Coming in her family who's going to go to war with you and though you're going to strike his heel as the NIV says I like that translation he says he in turn is going to crush your head now let me ask you this what on earth does this verse have to do with Christmas some of you are probably wondering that aren't you you're you're, you're probably thinking I don't really know you know When I think of Christmas, I think of Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and Bethlehem and angels and shepherds and and wise men. I don't think about Adam and Eve and Satan and war and heads being crushed. So what does this verse have to do with the Christmas story? Well, let's think about it. Who is God referring to here in Genesis 3? Who is this seed of the woman? who is going to come, who's going to be born, who's going to grow up and rise up to crush Satan. Who's God referring to here, folks? Tell me. Jesus. Exactly right. God is talking here about Jesus. He's speaking to Satan. He says, listen, you've started something that I'm going to finish. you played a key role in in man's rebellion by deceiving Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, though you have chosen to believe a lie over the truth and have rebelled against me, one is coming in your family who's going to make things right once again. He is going to deliver a fatal blow to you, Satan, and he's going to make right all that was wrong here in Eden. Folks, that's what the Christmas story is all about. You know there are a lot of Christmas stories that we hear this time of year, some scriptural and some not, but the message we learn here from Genesis 3:15 is at the heart of the Christmas message. This is what Christmas is all about. This verse is as Christmassy a verse as any you will hear this year. And for those of you who are still not convinced, Still not sold on the fact that Genesis 3.15 is a Christmas verse. I want to give you three reasons this morning why I believe that it is. One is because this verse explains to us the reason for Christ's birth. The reason for Christ's birth. Why did Jesus have to come? You ever think about that? This time of year, why did he have to take on flesh and be born in a barn in Bethlehem? Genesis 3, folks, tells us why the reason Christ had to come was because of the fall. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the fact that Christmas would be completely unnecessary were it not for sin? I heard a pastor once say this, he said, the sin of mankind is the black backdrop of the Christmas message. So true. It really is. We often say this time of year that Jesus is the reason for the season, and he is. But why? Why did he have to come? Because of sin. So we could also say sin is the reason for this season as well. That just doesn't look as good on a Christmas card. I don't suggest sending that one out, all right? (laughs) Don't personalize that. Somebody may take offense to that, you know? Send it to them. Merry Christmas. But sin is is an important part of the Christmas message. When, When the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream in Matthew 1, he says in verse 21, you shall call this child Jesus. Why? He will save his people from their sins. Jesus' very name means salvation. That's the reason he had to come. We learn this all the way back, folks, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And though we don't like to think about sin and the fall and about the fact that the world is is ruined and wrecked because of of sin this time of year, we like to think of Christmas trees and stockings hung by the mantle and Bing Crosby. Listen, to truly understand... The wonderful message of Christmas, we must understand our sinfulness. We need to understand our desperate need of a Savior. That's what the Christmas message is all about. It's about the fact that we have sinned against a righteous and holy God. And because of our sin, because we have set ourselves against God, He is rightly set against us And though we deserve his wrath and his punishment because of our sin, instead, God, because of his great love for us, he has extended his hand of grace and mercy to us by sending us his son. That's what the Christmas message is all about. We live in a world where messages about man's sin, God's wrath and judgment are not popular even in in christian circles but listen if we don't focus on this if we don't focus on man's sin and god's great wrath and judgment we will never come to truly understand his amazing grace we won't it's knowing what we've been saved from that makes the message so great am i right What makes God's grace so amazing? What makes the gift of his son so glorious? What makes the Christmas story so special is when we truly understand that without him, without Christ, get this, we are dead, helpless, and hopeless. I want to encourage you this Christmas season to to spend time thinking about that, meditating upon The reason why Christ came. Think about your sinfulness and God's great mercy and grace this time of year, especially this time of year. I mean, we should think about it all the time, but especially this time of year. And I pray that that would lead you to be more thankful and more worshipful this Christmas season than you've ever been before in your life. So that's the first reason why I believe Genesis 3.15 is a great Christmas verse to read and study at Christmas, because it explains the reason for Christ's birth. Another reason why I believe this is a great Christmas verse is because we see in it the revelation of Christ's birth. Some have asked this question: how do you know this verse in Genesis 3:15 is about Jesus? Well, before we look at it again, let me ask you this. There was something about Christ's conception and his birth. That made him different from everyone else in all of history. Do you know what that certain something is? What what made this child different? Tell me. Virgin birth. That's right. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin. Now look at Genesis 3.15. This is so good. Here God tells Satan, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now watch this. Notice the word offspring used here. That is the Hebrew word "tsara," which means seed. In this passage God talks about this child being the seed of the woman now that is a very unusual way to refer to a woman and child in scripture normally the child would be referred to as the seed of the man but here God talks about the seed of the woman why because he's talking about this messiah to come the Lord Jesus, who will be miraculously conceived and born of a virgin. And this is not the only time in the Old Testament we hear of the virgin birth mentioned in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7. You have all these verses in your spiritual growth guide, by the way. Isaiah prophesies of one who will be born of a virgin. Listen to Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, Folks, that's as clear a prophecy as any we have in the scriptures, isn't it? Written hundreds of years before Christ came. That's amazing, isn't it? In the book of Isaiah chapter seven, Isaiah prophesies of this one we learn about in Genesis 3:15, who's going to come who's going to be the seed of the woman, born of a virgin. And if there was ever any doubt that this prophecy is all about Jesus, Matthew clears that right up for us in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18-25. through 25. Listen as I read. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this, he says, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. What prophet do you think that is? Isaiah. And he quotes Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Folks, this right here is the Christmas story and this is, here is is what God said would happen all the way back in Genesis 3. Jesus is the seed of the woman, the Messiah, God's promised one. God tells us in Genesis 3 that there is one who is going to come from the seed of the woman who is going to be born of a virgin in Isaiah. He revisits this prophecy for us and then Matthew, one of Jesus's 12 disciples, when thinking back years later after Christ's earthly ministry, Matthew tells us in his gospel, that's Jesus. That prophecy in Genesis 3, that prophecy in Isaiah 7, that's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So notice here, all the way back in Genesis 3, not only does this verse give us the reason for Christ's birth, but this verse also gives us the revelation of Christ's birth. And this passage is also a great Christmas passage, folks, because it explains to us what will result from Christ's birth. Notice the result of Christ being born. Look at Genesis three fifteen with me one more time. Again, God tells Satan... I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Again, like we said earlier, this verse of scripture reveals to us that Christ is coming to earth And it tells us what he had come, the reason why he had come, because of the fall and because of of the sin in our lives and in our world. But this this verse of Scripture also explains to us what is going to result from Christ coming. God tells the serpent, he tells Satan here, though you believe you've won a major victory over me here today, this major triumph for you is going to result in in your downfall and the reason why is because though you've deceived this woman through this woman you have deceived is going to come one who is going to crush you as we continue to read folks through God's word we learn that's exactly what happens isn't it we learn that in the fullness of time when the time was exactly right God sends his son, the eternal son, the second person of the Trinity to earth, and we're told that he came willingly. Christ willingly stepped out of glory and into the world in which he created, and he put on flesh, and he he, he moved into the neighborhood. He became one of us. We're told that he humbled himself to such an extent that he became a little cooing and gooing baby. And he grew up in an average home and he walked the streets with the common man. And in his humanity, we learn that he grows in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. And he lives the life Adam should have lived in the life we cannot live, the perfect life, a sinless life, only to lay it all down at the cross at Calvary. So we sing in here on occasion, Christ was the perfect sacrifice, crushed by God for us, bearing in his hurt all that we deserve. He was misjudged for our misdeeds, and he suffered silently, the only guiltless man in all of history. That's our Lord. Christ did that, folks. He did all of that so that we through him could have life so that we through him could be restored to god be brought back in to a right relationship with him this time though for all eternity we also learned that by accomplishing this work not only did christ provide a great salvation for us get this he also destroyed the works of the devil as john says in first john 3 Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said about it in Hebrews 2.14. You have these verses, by the way, in your spiritual growth guide. You can read them later. The writer of Hebrews says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself likewise, partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. That's a great verse right there. Great truth right there. Listen, when Satan tempted man in the garden and man sin, death entered into the world as a result of that sin and not just physical death folks but spiritual death not only did man eventually go on to die in a physical sense which by the way was not the way God created things initially but more importantly than that there was a spiritual death that occurred at the fall man died spiritually At at the fall, man's perfect relationship with God was shattered. And there was nothing that man could do to change that on his own. No matter how hard he tried, he could not move back in to a right relationship with God. Though many tried with all their might, they couldn't do it. Man could not restore paradise for himself. Man was helpless and hopeless that was the great power Satan had for years to come. Satan's great power, get this, was in the fact that God's a just God, and in the fact that he had to punish sin. Therefore, he has to punish us because we're sinners, and there's nothing we can do about that to change that on our own. As Paul says in Ephesians 2, we were dead spiritually, unable to change things by our own power. And as the result of our sin, God's wrath, Paul says in Ephesians 2, is set against us. And that was the great victory of Satan in Genesis 3. And that was the great power he had over us. We were dead spiritually because of our sin, helpless and hopeless on our own with God's wrath set against us. It's a bad way, isn't it? We're in a bad way. But what Satan failed to see is that God had an answer from the start. That answer was Jesus. Though man fell, was in a helpless and hopeless state god's plan from the beginning was to send his son to live the perfect life we could never live for us in our place and to offer his life up and to conquer death with his death so that we through him would not have to die spiritually and experience god's wrath in the life to come but instead have eternal life that's why paul says what he does in first corinthians 15 Says, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, folks, he removed the sting of death. Here's how. By giving his life up. He allowed death's stinger to be plunged into him at the cross. And it was left there. Christ bore the whole sting of death for us so that death for us who are in him would have no sting. Conquered death with his own death so that we through him could have life. That's the gospel. That's the gospel right there and that's what the Christmas story is all about it's about the seed of the woman from Genesis 3.15 coming to crush Satan by crushing death with his own death that's the Christmas message right there it's beautiful isn't it Christmas is about the destruction of sin and death and the destruction of Satan by Christ through his life, death and resurrection you know there are are a lot of great modern epic stories and movies in our day, but they pale in comparison to this story, don't they? To this great redemption story. This story is the true story of the great triumph of good over evil, light over darkness, and this indeed is good news. This is a reason for you to be joyful this time of year, right? Though you should be joyful, being with family and friends and having your kids and and watching them enjoy all the gifts that they receive. And though it's a joyful time, listen, this is what is to bring you true joy, believers. This is the song that we have to sing. This is the joy in our hearts right here. This is the Christmas message. My prayer for you this Christmas season is that as you're reading stories about Christ's birth in a barn in Bethlehem and about the angels and the shepherds and the wise men, though that's a, those are wonderful stories. You need to read that. That's a part of the story. But my prayer is that along with that story, you would also think about the cross. Pray that the cross would be on your mind because that's, that's where the Messiah is headed. That's how he crushes the serpent, Satan. And accomplishes our salvation. So I pray that this Christmas season you not simply think about a baby being born but about God fulfilling what he promised all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when he said that he was going to send his son to crush Satan and conquer death with death and provide salvation for all who trust in Christ alone for salvation. Let's pray.